right, guys, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton. Now, you're either watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it on our podcast. Either way, if you haven't checked out YouTube, um, I'm going to be walking through slides. You don't have to see these because I'm going to um, I'm going to read all the slides. But if you just, you know, some people like consuming on YouTube, some people enjoy more podcasts. So whichever one you enjoy or like, I think that's great. So this that I'm recording, so it's Saturday morning and I was spending some time in Psalm 3 and I noticed something in this Psalm from David that I wanted to share with you that I think is really, really important because one of the biggest things that I see when I'm talking with guys, when I'm talking to men about their struggle with pornography, and really the biggest thing that I struggled with were just all my stories. Stories that I had, that like stories that I was believing that I didn't even know I was believing. Things that had happened to me in the past that and things that I had done in the past that continually stayed with me throughout my life. And those things aren't just like isolated incidences. What they do is they create stories, they create feelings, they create rituals and habits in our lives. Even the habit of the way we think is highly, highly important. So I want to walk through this passage with you. And I want to just talk about it. We're just going to look at the first four verses for the most part and and talk about this. So in context, David wrote this psalm when he was fleeing Absalom, his son who had revolted against him and now was hunting him down. And so he wrote this uh, Psalm, you can you can um, go back and read the story, I want to say, in Second Samuel, maybe Second Samuel 16 anyway. Um, and, and even as David was fleeing Absalom, there was a man who came out and even cursed David. In other words, essentially saying to him, you're getting what you deserve. So here's the psalm. It says, just the first four, four verses. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. In context, this is about David. In a much bigger context, we can see Jesus Christ in this, right? So we can see Jesus, how many were his foes, how many were his enemies, how many were rising against him. Even his closest friends deserted him and abandoned him. One betrayed him. So we see David, yes, in a bigger sense, we see Christ himself, but now what I want you to do is I want you to see yourself in here. Now, when I first read this this morning, and I've got my journal right here beside me, what I started writing was, God, <laughs> who am I? Like, I'm, I'm sitting here in America. I've got freedom of speech. I have many freedoms. I'm not being chased 
pursued by people who want to kill me and take my life. I'm not like David. I'm not like Job. I'm not like Paul. I'm not like any of the martyrs that I read about. Even more contemporary people that I think about like a David Brainerd or like some of these great missionaries, Jim Elliott, these people that I think, oh my goodness, look at what all they gave up in pursuit of making God's name great among people. That's not me. So here I come with my first world problems. So I just had to confess that. And like my question was, because in verse 4 he says, I cried aloud to the Lord. My question was, God, should I cry out to you too? I feel like my I don't have any struggles compared to these people that I'm thinking about, especially according to David. And God's answer is yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So what I want you to do, if you are a brother struggling with porn and masturbation, I want you to think about your foes and your enemies. To me, I think it's a very healthy, healthy thing to think about your enemies. Like we need to think about this because I think for so many of us, we don't think about these things. We just go along as if we are not in a battle. We're not in a struggle. And so no matter what's going on in life, it's a healthy exercise to count our enemies, to recognize them, to point them out. And so let's look at that. Count our enemies. Number one, we have our flesh. Like my flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. My flesh desires to be lazy. My flesh desires to be self-serving. My flesh desires for instant gratification. My flesh desires to look at pornography. Like that's flesh. My flesh desires to lust. Right? Definitely an enemy. So it's good, like David, when he says, many are my foes, many of them arising against me. It's, it's good to understand that our flesh is one of our enemies. Next, the influence of the world. My brothers, the influence of the world is always going to be pulling us away from Christ, not pushing us towards Christ. That's the influence of the world. Now, there is a lot of good done on places like social media or whatever the case is, but more times than not, it's pushing us away from Christ and not pulling us towards Christ. So like naturally, we're already going to drift, according to Hebrews 2.1. So we're already drifting. We have to fight to stay in the place that we are, much less gain ground in Christ. Like in, and what I mean by gain, gain ground in Christ is what I mean is grow in holiness for like maturity, for sanctification. Sanctification is work. We don't sit and watch TV and become sanctified. I don't 
just get up and go to church and sit in an auditorium and become sanctified. It is something that we must wrestle with every single day. And so one of our enemies is just the influence of the world that says, no, 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 these things are more important. These things are more important. Work's more important. Your body's more important. Money's more important. All these things are more important. That's going to be the influence of the world. Count that as your enemy. Not that you should hate it, but that you should be aware of it. And then lastly is the great accuser and liar. I mean, this is an easy one. Count our enemies. So when I look at these three right here, I can look and I can say, Lord, like they may be few, my flesh, the world, Satan, but they're rising against me. And they're saying to my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So let's think about that. What are the lies of the enemy when men are struggling with porn? So what are the lies that Satan desires for you to believe? Here they are. You don't love God. You can't trust God with your problems. God is tired of forgiving you for this. You're a huge disappointment to him. God is angry at you. He stopped loving you. He is going to punish you for this. Lies, 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 lies. All of them. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I have a the color behind the slide is all red because all of these lies are like all of our sin is washed in the blood of Christ. And so the accuser, the liar wants to tell you when you're in the pit of despair, when you feel like no one loves you, when you feel like you don't love God, like he wants to tell you, you don't love him. You can't trust him. You're never going to be free from pornography. Like this is something you've already been wrestling with it for decades. You'll never become free. He's tired of forgiving for you, forgiving you for this. Do you understand how angry God is at you? He's turning his back on you. Just wait, just wait. He is going to wear you out for this. Now, depending on how you were raised and how you saw your father or see your father, is more than likely how you're going to relate to God here. But they're lies. So what did David do when people were telling him lies, when he was potentially believing lies? First, he had to count his enemies. Oh, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are trying to get me to believe deep in my soul, God, that there is no salvation from you. Like God, they're trying to get me to believe these lies and these stories. Now, these people may have been setting it, but it was Satan who was, who was saying, yes, this is true. This is true. 
There's no salvation. Look at you, David. You committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is God paying you back. Like God is giving you what you deserve. He's not going to save you. He's so sick of you. You, He had given you everything, and yet it wasn't enough, and you took Bathsheba and killed a man? Imagine the stories that David wrestled with. So what did David do? Well, verse 3, we see what he does. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. So what did David do? He confronted the lies with truth. He cried aloud to the Lord and God answered him with truth. So my question to you is, how often are you believing truth over your lies? And how are you doing that? This is one of the biggest things that, that I learned on my own path to freedom from pornography was like, it wasn't, let me, let me think how to say this. It wasn't some magical cure. It was a deliberate, it was a deliberate looking at my lies, counting my enemies, and then comparing them to the truth of what God says. And so when we have the truth found in God's word, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that enables victory. But it's not a one-time thing. This is an endurance thing. This goes on daily. This, this battle, this enemy is going to be lying to you daily. He's going to be telling you daily, there is no salvation for you in God. He hates you. He's mad at you. He's angry. He's disappointed. Do you understand, brother? This is going to be the story rising against you every single day. And we, like David, have to say, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. I see my situation. I know I'm living in uh, the wilderness. I'm hiding from my enemies. I've got just a small band of brothers who are with me. It seems like the entire world, thousands upon thousands are against me. But I'm going to focus and I'm going to concentrate on this. You, O Lord, are my shield and my glory, and you lift my head. You answer me from your holy hill. So let's look, what does this practically look like for you and for me? And so what I did, and this is, I'm going to read these. These are just promises from God's word. This is, this is, like David didn't even have a lot of this. He didn't even have these words from Christ. He didn't even have the apostles writing, but he he remembered, he remembered, he thought about, he believed all of the promises that God had said to him. So this is what you and I need to do. Jeremiah 29:11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 139, your eyes saw my substance my being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, as when as yet there were none of them. How precious also 
are your thoughts of me, O God? How great is the sum of them? Matthew 10, 29-31, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground, apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Romans 8, 28-29, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Like, so much to unpack here, guys. Like, we could sit with each one of these passages and unpack and unpack the riches of God's grace. So, let's keep going. 1 Peter 2, 9. Because I believe many of you need to hear these, like, again and again every single day. You, brother, are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like, spiritually, you were in darkness and headed towards hell, and God has called you out of that darkness into his marvelous light so that you would proclaim his name. Ephesians 1. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, like in love, like this is the truth about you. (laughs) Before God, you are holy and blameless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship. That word workmanship is like his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 1 Timothy 2.3 and 4, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. 2 Peter 1 3 and 4, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, brothers, You have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Are you believing them? Are you meditating on them? Are you thinking deeply about them? What is your time in the word going to war with the lies of the enemy look like? What does your time look like? Like God does the work. God has the power. God has the promises. God has purity for you, brother. But if we ignore his promises day after day after day or after day, or if we treat them lightly, like it's just a checkbox. Oh, well, you know, how many men? Like this is the truth. And and guys, I'm I was there. I 100% was there. How many times that I felt like I was just checking off a box. 
to say that I did it because you know what? This is what my dad did. My dad, not not my dad just checked off a box, but because I saw that God, that my dad read the Bible every morning and prayed every morning, then that's what I need to do. The problem was nobody really taught me how to do this deeply. So I want, like, I, I pray that, man, in through this podcast or through YouTube or whatever the case is, that I would be an encouragement to stop. I want to be an encouragement to you to stop and soak in the word. Don't just read it. Now, I love reading through the Bible in a year, but in 2021, so I did it in 2019, 2020, 2021, I stopped doing that and I just slowed down, slowed way down and just started reading and thinking and contemplating and believing and journaling. Now, we're not all pastors. Like, I don't have all the days in the world. Like, I don't have, I don't have five hours a day to study the Bible. I've got work, I've got family, I've got all these things, all these responsibilities. But I've I've realized I can't do without it. Like I can't not take an hour to an hour and a half every morning and think and pray and read and study. There's more promises God will not forsake his inheritance. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39. So many, so many promises, brother, brothers. And this is what I love. Like, Lord, you are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. So I want to end with this quote I read this morning from Spurgeon that I thought was worth sharing. He says, there is a little, there is a lifting up of the head by elevating to office, as with Pharaoh's butler. This we trace to the divine appointment. And then he goes on, he says, there is a lifting up in honor after shame, in health after sickness, in gladness after sorrow, in restoration after a fall, in victory after a temporary defeat. In all these respects, the Lord is the lifter up of our head. Now, brother, this is my word to you. The Lord will lift up your head. He desires to lift up your eyes to see the glory of the gospel, to see the glory of Christ, to see forgiveness in the blood. But if we're not turning and lifting up our eyes and our head towards the word of God, we'll never, ever see these things. Like when we're in the pit, when we're in the pit of pornography, we will just stay there believing lies. Like Satan wants nothing more to keep you just covered up in shame. Because when you are in shame, when you are in shame, you are not 
giving honor and glory to God. Your focus is on yourself. You're believing lies about the goodness and the greatness and the and the glory of God. When we lift up our heads, God is the lifter of our heads. Like He will do it. If you look to his word, he will lift you up. Even this morning as I was reading this, like I could not help but become like just overwhelmed with this joy inside of me that despite all of my sin, despite all of my struggles, and even today I still struggle with believing the lies of Satan, even after all of this stuff, God gives me joy in him. And he will in you, he will with you as well. All right, guys, that is it for today. I hope you have an, uh, a great weekend. And if there's anything I can do for you, shoot me an email, spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. Spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. Would love to hear from you. Also, if you haven't left a review for the podcast, I'd love if you do that. That'd be great. Well, I'd love to love to see a comment or whatever you want to do. Completely up to you. And um, I'll be back pretty soon with another episode of Porn and the Gospel.